This is the Rise Up Doyans podcast with your host, Yvette Cook-Darby. So hello and welcome to Rise Up Doyans. I'm so glad you could be with us today. I'm Yvette Cook-Darby and I am the creator and your host. If you're not familiar with what this podcast is all about, let me just take a few minutes to lay it out for you. I was in corporate America for over 20 years. I was in a very male-dominated field, and I've always wanted to give back and help other women rise to their fullest potential. So I decided about a year ago that I was going to be intentional about helping others, and I've been mentoring young women for quite a long time, young men and young women, but I specifically want to work with our young women because I think that there's so much potential. We have a long way to go and we really have a responsibility to reach back. So if you're wondering, well, what's a doyen? I've never really heard that word before. Let me share a little bit with you. A doyen is simply a bad woman, spectacularly successful woman who owns it, who has a certain level of confidence and knows that she's at the top of her game. And that's really okay. Some people would say, well, doesn't it sound a little bit egotistical? But the truth of it is, if I were describing a man in that manner, no one would say he's egotistical. They would say, oh, he's confident and successful. So this program is all about showcasing stories from spectacular doyens in an effort that other women and men will listen in And here's some secrets to their success as we're on this venture to grow a future generation of successful women. So I'm excited today about my special guest. I have with us here in the ladies lounge studio, as we like to call it, I have Crystal Khalil, who is the first African-American director for Porsche Worldwide. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Yvette. I'm very excited to have you here with me. Um, I've known Crystal for quite a few years, and from the first day we met, I have just been in awe of her as the woman that she is, and I know the work she's doing already to help other young women, so I couldn't think of a better guest to have on the show today. Thank you, Yvette. The feelings are definitely mutual. I've always been in awe of you as well and what you are doing with our young ladies. Well, that's fantastic. So we're going to have a love fest, (laughs) but we're also going to share some information that hopefully others will pick up on. So, Crystal, just, you know, how does one get to be head of procurement? And for those that aren't familiar, what is procurement? (laughs) Great question. So some people call it purchasing, supply chain. At Porsche, we call it procurement. Uh, So all of the manufacturing for Porsche is done out of Germany. Here in the U.S., we're responsible for all of the indirect purchases, which is called procurement. That's everything from marketing, HR, uh, tax, treasury, transportation, logistics. So all of the things that all of the operational spend that is required to sell the project, the product. Wow. That's very impressive. So in other words, without procurement, there'd be no company. Exactly. (laughs) That's what we like to say. So, So Crystal, how did you get into this? 
So I started out, uh, I went to DeVry. I actually had a very untraditional uh, educational path. I went to DeVry and my focus was on business operations. And they had an organization that worked with them called APICS at the time, American Production and Inventory Control Society. I joined as a student member. And I was immediately really interested in supply chain. Um, I found that I had a knack for analytical skills. You know, I was very analytical and just I started out on the direct path, which is doing the purchasing for manufacturing. And that's what Apex trained us to do. Right after I actually got my first job at an Apex event. Wow. So So networking is important, right? Networking is very important. Very important. So at an Apex event while I was in college, I met my first employer and was hired. And I have been in supply chain and procurement ever since. That is super exciting. So let me ask you this. Are there many women in procurement? Is it more male dominated? Is it 50-50? What what would you say? I would say over time, there have been more women that have joined the field. Procurement is one of those career paths that people just don't think about. They never, you know, it's a STEM field, but people just don't think about being in procurement or supply chain, especially women. I've seen more and more women over the years join, but they typically come from the accounting and finance roles and move into procurement. Uh, But there aren't many women leaders in Uh, procurement. And that's what we're here talking about today is women leaders and women in leadership. So let's just talk a little bit about women in leadership. So Crystal, what do you think makes a good, strong leader? I think if you're transparent and you lead with heart and you show your people that you have their back, they can trust you. Um, I think that that makes a strong leader. I know that my team trusts me. Mm-hmm. They know that I'm going to work just as hard as they are to get things done. Um, they know that I, I'm going to have their back. Procurement is one of those fields where um, no matter what company it is, procurement always has a bad rap. Because <laughs> <laughs> are you the ones that always say no? We're the ones that say no. We're the, we're the roadblocks in the process usually. Uh, when someone wants to purchase something, they have to come to us. And, and you know, we are the process police a lot of times. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a role. It's a, one of those thankless roles. Oh. So it, for my team, it's important for them to know that if they do the right thing, I'm always going to support them. Oh, I love that. I love that. So do you think that women make better leaders than men? I do. I do. I think because we oftentimes lead with a heart Mm. for the people. Mm -hmm. And so people and people know that and they respect that. And they know if you care about them, you have their best interests at heart and it's easier to follow. So how so have you had challenges um, on your way to. Um, your position now. Um, Have you had challenges with other male leaders um, wanting to help you pave the pathway? Or have you had challenges with male leaders not thinking that you were perhaps qualified? Of course I have. (laughs) (laughs) I know that was kind of a leading question, right? So, So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, for one thing, with Porsche, it's a German company, right? Okay. And the majority of our leadership is foreign, either German or French or, you know, European. And so 
you know, as you mentioned earlier, I'm the first African-American female leader for Portia. That was a huge task. Okay, stop for one second right there. We'll go back to the whole men challenge thing. How long has Portia been in business? (laughs) Well, we've been here in the United States uh, for well, Portia's been in business since for 70 years. 70 years. Yeah, we just celebrated 70 years. Of 70. Seven, Seven zero. zero years. Okay. And how long have they been in the U.S.? Been in the U.S. Uh, since 1998. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, it's one of those situations where I'm super excited for you and congratulations to you. Thank but you. this says to me, this is why we need this movement right here, right now, this Doyen movement. We've got to do something about this. But back to the whole challenge thing um, with with some of the men. It's challenging. You know, um, I've had, I, I will say first, I've had some great male leaders that yeah. have really helped me to blaze a, a, a path. And you need those sponsors. Oh, absolutely. I don't think we can, none of us would have reached any level of success without Men helping to pull and push us up. That is without a doubt. Without a doubt. So I've had some fantastic men that have helped me um, to get to the next level. But then there's also been the challengers that, you know, ignore you. I've had Mm. I've had other leaders that ignore me. Like Like you're not not in the room. Like I'm not in the room. That's or, interesting. Or it's the passive aggressive challenges, yeah, you know, yeah. it's they tolerate me, yeah. but they don't respect me or they don't or they respect me, but they don't really want to put in the effort to get to know me right. or to build a relationship with me. So they respect that I know what I'm doing. They respect that I'm the subject matter expert. They respect that I'm a leader, but they don't they have no desire to have a relationship with me. And relationships are so important. Oh, especially when Crystal. you become a leader. Crystal important. So I want to talk about two things that you said right there. I want to talk about the relationship factor. But before I want to talk about, <laughs> um, do you think the relationship factor is fear based or what do you think? Why, why do you think that they may be hesitant to really build a relationship with you and get to know you or have been in the fear-based. past? I think okay. it is fear-based and it's uncomfortable, right? People like to work with people that look like them or mm. people who are similar to them. Mm-hmm. And what I found is I've always been on the outside looking in, particularly um, in, a, in, in the environment that I'm in now. Um, people get hired, fired, promoted, demoted over lunch, happy hour, That's right. the weekend barbecue. That's right. And if you're not in that circle, mm-hmm. it's very difficult for you to navigate through the corporate, you know, environment and, and to grow. And so I have found that, you know, that's been a challenge for me. Even though I have grown, um, it's still a challenge for me to get in those circles. So let's talk about the respect factor. How many years have you been there? I've been there 17 years. Whoa, 17 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. So can you give us some secrets to how you've grown to or how you've earned respect from some of your counterparts and coworkers and other leaders? Yes. Well, for me, first and foremost, my integrity Ah. is very important to me. Um, So I, I, I lead with integrity. I'm respectful of everyone in the organization. That's from uh, the security and cleaning staff all the way to the president. Um, I'm always very pleasant, you know, and even if I have to tell you no, 
I tell you no with a smile and respectful. So I've grown a, a reputation of being someone um, that's likable, easy to work with, but about her business. So if you come to me, come to me correct. Oh, I love that. That is, you know, that is so funny. I'm sitting over here just smiling from ear to ear because that was exactly what I did. Um, in, in fact, I'll tell you a quick little story. Um, whenever someone would come to me, I would tell them the truth. Exactly. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that goes back to just my upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. And I can remember our CEO one day having a conversation with someone else. And he says, well, if you want to know the truth and what's really going on, ask Yvette. Exactly. And I really think that's what helped me garner respect and get promoted up through the ranks was I was the person that would get it done. Right. Exactly. With a smile, I would tell you, no, you're out of line. Exactly. But I would always be honest and tell the truth. So I, I can definitely relate to that. Yes, definitely. So let's just shift here for a little bit. 17 years, so successful, first in class. What were some of the sacrifices you've had to make in your life in general to get to this position? Time is a huge sacrifice. Um When I first started my career at Porsche, um, I got divorced after about two years, and I was a single mother. And at that point in my career, I could not, I had to sacrifice my growth in my career for my children because they needed me. I needed to be able to pick them up in the evening when when they got home from school and be there for them. So I couldn't work the long hours. I couldn't play the political games and do the networking because I needed to be there for my children. And then when they got to an age where they were a little more self-sufficient, I got remarried and I had that support. And then I could invest time into myself and into my career to grow crystal and grow myself in my career. And now the sacrifice is still time. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it's time with my husband. Sometimes there's, there's late nights, you know, doing the, the the corporate uh, handshaking and and political things outside of work or travel. Um, And, you know, so there's sometimes that's the sacrifice for home time. Oh, I, I get that completely. So to our listener, to our listeners out there, especially the younger women, what advice would you give them if they're on their journey? Um, you know, I was a single mom like you and I made a lot of sacrifices and I, I missed a lot of firsts with my kids. Uh, I can't go back and, and redo it. It's, it's over and it's done. And, and hopefully I've made up for it because they've all turned out pretty good. Um, but I'm just wondering to the younger listeners, what advice would you give them if you were starting your career all over again, knowing what you know today? A, would you have done anything different? Or just what advice would you give to them? Looking back, I don't think there's anything I would have done different because everything happens for a reason. And I've learned some very valuable lessons over the years that I'm able to share with, you know, young women entering their careers. Um, I would say always be the person you want to be. So if you're in an entry level position and you're looking to be a, a manager, you should dress the part of a manager. You should maintain yourself at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, always realize that no matter what you're being watched, 
you are being evaluated at all times. And there's there's three factors that affect you in your growth in an organization. That's your performance, your image, and your exposure. And you have to be aware of those three factors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you have mentors? You know, I didn't. Early in my career, I did not. Um, I had to find my way because... You know, my mother worked in a manufacturing job. My father was a truck driver. So they never they didn't work in a corporate environment. So I didn't have um, that mentorship from home to tell me how to deal with corporate America. Right. Mm -hmm. Being a a woman of color in white America. Nobody taught me that. And then I didn't have most of my friends were in the same position I was in. And so we were all learning together. And it wasn't until I probably reached that middle management part of my career that I started to have mentors Mm -hmm. that helped me and guided me along the way. So what I did was just kind of watch. I was very observant of my peers and what it took for them to get to the next level. And I always made sure that I maintained my integrity. I I thought when I first entered um, the, the workforce, I thought it was all about performance. Uh, you know, I had always, yeah, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, I thought it was all about performance. And I was taught, you know, my mother taught me, you can't, it's not enough to be ordinary or just as good. You have to be better. You have to exceed expectations in everything that you do. So the very first person that, you know, spoke into my life and in, in, in my career was the gentleman that hired me at that Apex event. Uh, he said, he sat me down one day and he said, you know what, Crystal, you're probably the best worker that I have, but that's all you will ever be if you don't learn to start networking. Oh, I love that. That is so true. Yeah. He said, hard workers work hard. Networkers move up. And I always say your network dictates your net worth. That is so true. But in my mind, I thought, come to work every day do my eight hours, exceed expectations and go home. And I didn't accept the lunch invitations. I didn't accept the the after hours invitations because, you know, I had to go home to my children and my family. And I thought my work should speak for itself. And it does, but it's it's only it's such a small right. percentage of your career right, it's growth. Not it's not enough. So I had to work on my image, had to work on my my exposure to other departments and other people and leaders in the organization. And those were the things that made the change for me. And interestingly, interestingly enough, I couldn't make that change at that organization. Because I had already established who I was. Uh, So you had to move. I had to leave. To grow. That's interesting. And I think that's also something that um, I hope our listeners are really uh, paying attention to. That you can't get too comfortable in a situation if you really want to grow and excel. You have to really sometimes push yourself out of that comfort zone in order for you to grow. Yes, you you definitely have to push yourself out of that comfort zone. Um, That uncomfortable feeling is growth. That's right. That's right. I tell people all the time. You know, the best way I say to conquer fear Mm -hmm. is to stare it dead in the face. Exactly. You know, interestingly enough, um, I left Porsche for three years and went to Coca-Cola and came back. Oh, interesting. And I can't. Did that help your career? Oh, my gosh. I doubled 
my salary <laughs> in three years. Now that's a good technique. Yes. <laughs> One way to double your salary lean and come back. <laughs> but you know what I did during those three years? I maintained that relationship with my colleagues at Portia. And you never burn bridges. Oh, absolutely. That 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 piece is so important because you never know who's gonna end up where and reputation. Let's talk a little bit about reputation. I think reputation is so critically important, especially as a woman and a woman of color, because people, some people will have already put us in a box, right? And so they have this level of expectation. I was having a conversation with uh, Justina is our production liaison for the show. And we were discussing just yesterday is it okay for an African-American woman to have a bad day at work? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was thrown off at first. I was like, well, everybody's entitled to have a bad day, right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, yeah, we, you, there's no doubt you'll have a bad day. But it can't reflect in your work. That's right. And you have to you have to maintain your composure. So as I mentioned, when I was at Porsche, I went through a horrible divorce. After I came through that divorce, there were some of the people that I worked with who had no idea I had gone through that. And that was a tragedy in my life. But I would come in every day. I would put on the full armor of God and I would ask the Lord to help me to represent him. You know, even though I'm having a bad day, I'd be able to put that smile on my face and do what I needed to do for those eight hours. Well, here's what's interesting. Your path and my path have so many parallels. Mm. I went through a divorce um, pretty early on in my career. I was actually a manager at the time or just been promoted to a manager. No one knew. It was probably maybe nine or 10 months after the divorce when someone said, oh, is your husband coming to this event? And I'm like, well, I don't have a husband. Right. And like you, I've always had this separation factor, which can be negative and positive, because then all of a sudden I had some coworkers saying, wow, well, we don't really know you. Right. Yes. We want to get to know you better. We want to get closer to you. And because we had no idea and, and you work with us. And you think about it, Crystal, you spend all these working hours with people. Right. And they should know you to a certain extent. So what is that balance factor? What do you think that balance factor should be? And share what has worked for you as far as that balancing of how much information is too much information, how much is enough so that you can still maintain and build relationships with your coworkers, but they don't necessarily need to be all up in your business, right? That is such a great question because, you know, I think particularly in the African-American community, um, we're taught that people don't need to know what goes on inside your house. That's right. right that's right. What goes on sweep inside it under of the, our, Sweep it under the rug. Exactly, Nobody needs to know. Exactly. You keep people out of your business. And we are masters at having the, the, the two lives, right? You yeah. have your work self and your yeah. home self. Oh, that is so true. Right? That's right. So starting off in my career when I, you know, I said performance was everything, for me it was, this is my work self. I come here. I exceed expectations. I, I, I meet my KPIs and deliverables. And I go home and I'm someone else, right? That was me. For many years, that was me. <laughs> exactly. I had two people going on here. Right. I would not invite <laughs> colleagues to my house or to, to events. And what that does is it breeds a level of distrust. Yeah, it, it can. It You're can. right. You know, people need to, 
it's particularly people who are going to be your bridge, your stepping stone and help you get to the next level, sponsor you. They have to feel like they know you. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and one of the things that I was going to touch on a moment ago is mentors are important, but sponsors and champions are equally as important. And and for those of you that don't know the difference, let me tell you, you know, a mentor is someone you can call on. They may be in your company, may not be in your company. A sponsor is somebody that has your back. They are going to champion for you when you don't even know they're championing for you. They're the person in the meeting behind closed doors going, you know what? Crystal is the one who should get that promotion or we should give that project to Crystal. Right. That's the person. At least that's how I would describe it. What about you, Crystal? That's absolutely correct. And, and you need both. You need both. And in order for someone to champion for you and sponsor you, there's a level of vulnerability that you have to have with that person. That's you right. have to be transparent with that person and have a relationship so that they care about you and your personal growth. That's right. So I have learned throughout my career to, you know, share enough about myself that I can build authentic relationships, but still you keep some private things for yourself. They don't need to know everything. That's right. But you let them know enough that you can, you can build an authentic relationship. Yeah. And I think that's so critically important. So Crystal, I'm just curious. It's like, um, you know, to me, at least when I, you know, have been in executive positions in corporation and even when I, you know, have run my own company as an entrepreneur, Sometimes I feel lonely at the top. Talk to me a little bit about that. Have you ever felt lonely, like just wish you had somebody that you could go to lunch with at your same level and discuss certain things? What what has that been like for you? Have you ever experienced that? Wow, that's a great question as well. Because, <laughs> yes, the higher I've climbed the corporate ladder, the lonelier it has gotten. And I remember when I transitioned from a manager to a senior manager. And some of my colleagues who are not, they weren't at that senior manager level, um, I found out that they were all going out and they had not invited me. Oh, no, and no. I'm I, not surprised. Yeah. But. Well, I, but I felt, <laughs> I, you know, I felt a little hurt about that. And I had to think about it. And I said, well, maybe, you know, they're afraid to share certain things with me because now yeah. I'm at a I'm in a different level. Different level. Right? That's right. Your and, management. Exactly. And then one of my mentors told me, you know, well, now you need to start pushing yourself to network with your colleagues, people who are at your level right. and, and higher. And so I had to push myself out of my comfort zone as right. well. But yes, there is, as the higher you go up the corporate ladder, the lonelier it becomes. Because even if people like you on a personal level, you're still leadership. Right. You're still, right. you know, their their director, their manager. And, and it, there's a, they have to maintain that balance. So now I'm starting to experience what I was doing earlier in my career, you know, that, 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 keeping my personal and, and, and work life separate. <laughs> separate I'm yeah. starting to feel that all on over the other again. End. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I can definitely relate to that. So advice wise, other than, you know, building out a network of people at your level or colleagues that you feel on par with any other tools that you might suggest for other women to do to kind of combat that loneliness feeling, um, 
networking with other women at uh, in similar positions in other companies? Has that worked? That is that has definitely worked. That's how I met you. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. I have to just tell you this really quickly. Crystal and I were part of um, a women's leadership group that Porsche sponsored, gosh, some many, many years ago. Talked a little bit about that because that was fantastic. And then I think it went away, right? Yeah, we're hoping to bring it back, though. <laughs> it was it was high-performance women and high-performance cars, and yeah. it was fantastic. It was fantastic. We got to test drive all the Porsche cars yes, we at the Porsche that. Driving School, which was, and I'm telling you, ladies, if you want to Think about an experience that you might want to do to share with your girlfriends. Go to Porsche driving school. It was big time fun. Yes, it was so much fun. And you get to let your hair down a little bit, you know, and and they push you to the limits. And there's so much that you can learn from driving. That's right. One of the things that, that the instructors always say is keep your eyes where you want to go. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you how much that helps me now in my driving, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know to look ahead into the curb. Don't look in front of you. Look straight ahead and your brain will have you follow. Exactly. It's just so amazing. I mean, I learned so much at Porsche Driving School that has helped me just in life. Exactly. In careers in general, right? because it's the same thing in life. Keep your eyes where you want to go. Yeah. And your brain will follow. As long as you know where you want to go, your brain will follow. Yeah, I I think that is just fantastic. So we're going to kind of wrap things up here a little bit. So I want to give you an opportunity to, are there any final words of wisdom or nuggets that you want to share with our listeners and specifically our younger professional women, um, what would you like to say to them? Any advice or, or nuggets of wisdom that you want to share with them? Hmm. So I would tell them to always focus on those three factors I mentioned earlier, performance, image, and exposure. Even write it down and figure out what your balance is on those three things. Are you representing yourself to be the person that you want to be? Are you dressing the part? Um, Are you when you are you articulating the part of what you want to be and how is your performance measuring up? I would also tell them to look for sponsors within the organization um, that can help mentor you. You have to go outside of your box. It's uncomfortable. That's right. You know, it's uncomfortable to ask for 30 minutes, you know, a 30 minute lunch session just to, you know, make yourself make your acquaintance with that person and ask for advice on your career and what you can do to get to the next level. So think outside the box, take that embrace that uncomfortable feeling as growth. I think that's great advice. And one little note to some of our listeners is people love to talk about themselves, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) I have never asked anyone to coffee or lunch for advice and mentorship. No one's ever turned me down. Mm -hmm. Has anybody ever turned you down? Nobody's ever turned me down. (laughs) And you know what? And I've never turned anybody (laughs) down. So, so maybe there's something to that, but people, people love to talk about themselves. And, and the one thing that's so fascinating to me is because as I mentioned earlier, I have participated in a couple of programs that Crystal has done. Um, so she is an amazing mentor and has some fabulous mentees. So Crystal, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. First of all, for all that you do, because you are paving the way, you're a trailblazer, and you are making that path wider for the young ladies coming behind both of us. And I just want to say 
how much I appreciate that. And I want to also say to our listeners, we are here for you. We want this show to be inspiring and encouraging. So if there are topics that you want to hear about specifically, give me some feedback. I want to know what's on your mind. You can visit the website at www.riseupdoyens.com. And I'm going to spell that because I know it's a new word. So it's rise up, R-I-S-E-U-P-D-O-Y-E-N-N. ES.com. You can find out more about the program there and hopefully you'll tune in again. Thanks again so much, Crystal, because at the end of the day, I want to help young women just go get it. Thank you. Rise up, Doyen. Rise up. You've been listening to the Rise Up Doyen's podcast with your host, Yvette Cook-Darby. To learn more, go to riseupdoyans.com. That's riseupdoyans.com. Follow the Rise Up Doyen's podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RUD Podcast. The Rise Up Doyen's podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network.